Why should you care about what the apostles said in the New Testament? You know, when we look at the New Testament, we see that it's written by multiple different men, either by the one of the, what we call the 12 apostles themselves, or by a close associate of the 12 apostles who knew them personally, and we could say the apostles oversaw the writing of that, that book or that letter. And we realized, I mean, these were men, these were guys writing books to people, and the question becomes, why these guys? Why these books? You know, we can look at the apostles, and some people do look at the apostles and go, you know, what makes them any different from me? What makes their experience with God any different from me? And they'll conclude, hey, these guys who wrote the books that became what we call the New Testament when they were put together, they, they'll they conclude, hey, these guys didn't have any better view of God or a much better view of God than I do. They probably were expressing their religious feelings and religious ideas. But people might, some people will conclude, and people do conclude, well, they were still men, and so they still had errors, and they still messed up. And we can still read the New Testament as a man-made book. Well, the question becomes, well, why should we then trust the New Testament? Why should we then trust these apostles? What makes what these guys said any better than what you have to say? And that's where passages like Mark 3 verses 13 through uh, 19 can help us out because it shows us not only the what what's the big deal with the apostles but also how that affects us today and so first we see there's three things that are important about the disciples and the first is this is that the disciples were personally summoned and chosen by God himself it says in verse 13 and Jesus went up to a mountain and summoned those who were whom he himself wanted, and they came to him, and he appointed the twelve. So, prior to this, there was a lot of people following Jesus, and some people were following Jesus because they wanted to get healed, and that was it. They just wanted to see a miracle. They just wanted to be healed. And no doubt there was other people that were following Jesus who truly wanted to be a disciple and truly wanted to believe in him. But Jesus didn't come inside chapter 3 and 13. He's going to make a defining moment, a turning point in his ministry, where instead of having all these people that are following him, people who want him just for healing and people who actually do want to follow him for his teaching, he's going to narrow down and he's going to establish 12 guys. And that's going to be hugely important because these 12 guys are not just going to be 12 friends of his. They're going to be the, the foundation of the New Testament church. They're going to represent a new start for Israel, the 12 men being symbolic of the 12 sons of Israel in the Old Testament. And so unlike us who are saved by God, and, and if you believe in Jesus Christ and you place your faith in Jesus Christ, you, we say you're saved and that you're a Christian. These 12 guys weren't just saved and they weren't just Christians. They were personally handpicked by God. To do something special for him that nobody else, that you or me and nobody else in history has been given the task to do. Take a minute and think about that. Let it, let it mold around your head how mind-blowing that is. That Jesus being God himself would pick men to do a task by name. He'd pick them by name. That no other billions of people in the world, including you and me, He's handpicked to do. 
That's what Jesus did just in these two verses. So what is this task that only these 12 men, Jesus and God, personally picked to do? Well, it says and continues on in verse 14, so that he picked the only of these 12 men so that these 12 men would, one, be with him, so that, two, he could send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. So the point of these 12 men was two, twofold. One, he appointed these 12 guys to be with him, to, in other words, to stay with them, to learn from him, to have private conversations with him and private teaching with him. In other words, these weren't just guys who knew the Old Testament or who had been taught along by some other teacher. These were people who were spending a time with Jesus that nobody else in history has been able to do. They, they knew what Jesus liked. They knew what Jesus ate. They knew what Jesus wore. They knew where Jesus slept because they were doing the exact same thing with him day in and day out for years, for, for two or three years. And so these guys knew Jesus because they were with Jesus, unlike you and me in that sense. And then, but there was more point to that. It was more than just they had to be with him. There was a reason Jesus wanted them with him all the time. And it says so that he could send them out to do two things. One, to preach. And two, to have authority. It says authority to catch all demons. So Jesus wanted these guys to spend that time with him, especially with him, so that after they left him, they would have the knowledge and they would have, more importantly, the authority to herald God's message in a way no other 12 men in history could do, and they would have the power and authority of God behind them when they, when they walked and when they talked and when they spoke, even as the New Testament records, doing miracles. So we can say these guys are special. What makes the New Testament different, what makes the apostles different, why we should pay attention to what they said, is one, God especially chose them out of all the people in the world. And secondly, they spent time with Jesus in a way we can never comprehend so that they could have a special authority from Jesus to do stuff that we could never do. And then third, we see exactly who these 12 men are. And the amazing part about these 12 men that we learn is they were not what we would consider to be the elite, but they were just normal guys, just like you and me. Their background was normal. That's not what made them special. It was the time they spent with Jesus that made them special. So it lists uh, Peter, who was a fisherman, um, you know, just a hard worker, a guy who worked for commission, fit, fishing fish all day long in a boat, you know, somebody with calluses on his hands and that kind of thing. Says he, he appointed the James and John, whom were called sons of thunder, probably because they had short fuses and really big tempers. That was their personality. They had such big tempers and could get frustrated and loud so quickly, they were nicknamed sons of thunder. How did you like that nickname from Jesus? It talks about Andrew and Philip and Bartholomew. And Philip and Bartholomew, when they first met Jesus, they had a lot of doubts about who he was. They questioned who he was. Matthew was a tax collector, which was considered one of the biggest sinners that could possibly be in that time. You have Thomas, who didn't believe Jesus' resurrection. You have James, you have Thaddeus, and Simon the Zealot. And the Zealots were people who were fanat religious fanatics that were even willing to do what we would consider to be almost like violent acts because of their religion. And no doubt this person was 
caught by Jesus and brought in and tempered by that, that zealot attitude was tempered by Jesus' grace and mercy. And so we see the awesome truth that these guys were not authoritative because of their background. They're authoritative because they had a special relationship with God. They were specially chosen by God and they had a special authority from God. And in a way, it can be encouraging to us because we can see that God doesn't need or doesn't have to use the elites. He can use common people like you and me. But then notice 19, there's one more person on this list. The person that the Apostle Paul ends up replacing later. And it says, Judas Iscariot, who would betray him. There was one person Jesus called and it said the person who would betray him. And the interesting thing about Judas is this. Judas also spent time with Jesus. Judas ate with Jesus. Judas was taught with Jesus. He learned everything all the other apostles learned. He, he saw all the other miracles the other apostles saw. He hung out with all the other apostles. He spent a lot of time with Jesus, but Judas never got saved because spending time around Jesus is not how you get saved. Spending time around Jesus is not what makes you receive God's grace. Judas never accepted Jesus as his Lord and Savior. So he spent a lot of time around Jesus, and he spent a lot of times learning about Jesus and learning from Jesus, but he never accepted Jesus, his salvation, or his lordship. And so when we look at this passage, it has several things that are told on us today. And first is we need to trust what the New Testament says. It doesn't have any errors. It doesn't have any flaws. Why? Because the guys who wrote it were not normal guys. They were 12 men who were given an office. No other men or women in the history of the world have been given. And they were given opportunities to be with God that nobody else in the history of the world had been given. They were given authority from God that nobody else in the world has been given with the exception of the people who wrote the Old Testament. So what they said matters. You know, if you're going to ask yourself, am I going to listen to what I think and my opinions about God, or should I listen to the guy that spent three years with Jesus every day for 24 hours? I think I'm going to pay attention to the dude who was around Jesus for 24-7 for three years and got authority and called by God when I have it. That's my personal opinion. So we that's what makes the New Testament and what makes what the apostles said different, and we need to believe them and follow those, those writings. Secondly, we need to rejoice that God calls people that are normal and uses people that are normal instead of just calling the elite. And then third, I need to ask you, have you accepted the call of Jesus? It's easy to be like Judas and go to church and be surrounded by church people our whole lives and our whole lives and, and even do some religious things like Judas was doing, even do stuff like teach. It's possible to know the Bible back and forth. But Judas still walked away from Jesus because it's not about being around Jesus. It's about accepting Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life. Have you accepted Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life? Or have you just been spending time with Jesus? That's my challenge for you today. And if you need to accept him as that, do that today. I can help you out. And otherwise, rejoice and follow what the Bible says here.